Okay. Silver and gold. Um, I'm doing this uh, episode again, if you want to call it an episode. Basically, what I'm doing is uh, I am wanting to put out some content, number one, because I hadn't done it in so long, uh, to get back in the swing of things, but also um, to practice on um, posting the episodes so, you know, I can do it more comfortably and uh, without problem. And um, don't, I just came back from a motorcycle ride, which is always, um, it's pretty good today. Um, it's fall and all the leaves are falling off the trees and it's nice and cool. So I have to put on, uh, some gear, which I, you know, usually, uh, unless it's really super hot out, I'm wearing, you know, full face helmet and a, uh, motorcycle jacket that has the armor and the, um, elbows, the back and stuff like that. And, uh, uh, today had the, you know, motorcycle pants on that have the protection in the knees and shins and in the hips and stuff like that in case, you know, uh, it's never, not always going to be your fault, uh, for a wreck. You may, it may be out of your control, especially like this time of year with deer and, um, things like that kind of stirred up because of hunting season and, uh, you know, the, the bucks you know being in a rut and wanting to go around and fuck <laughs> um but anyway and you just any kind of animals and stuff like that running out of the running out in the road or you know people on cell phones not paying attention or you know you may just have a little slip up yourself uh, some oil on the road or grab loose gravel or something like that so anything that can help minimize uh if you do have a wreck uh, you know, is going to help you out a little bit there. Um, but anyway, I have been, uh, watching some stuff. And again, like I said, this is kind of impromptu. And once I get rolling, usually I can, you know, spew out a couple hours of, uh, nonsense anyway. But, um, the one, um, thing that I have been watching lately is there's two series and one is the boys with, um, Oh shit! The the guy that he was in, I didn't even know this. The guy that plays Homelander was actually in um, another show that I watched. <laughs> as soon as I said that, Banshee. I was gonna say as soon as I said that, I fucking drew a complete blank. But he was the lead in Banshee, which was about you know this guy who went into this small town, uh, who's um, I think it was like the sheriff had passed away. And uh, when he came into town, everybody assumed he was the replacement for the sheriff. And he was a an actual, uh, I think, a guy that, you know, just got out of prison or something like that. So, but he had, a you know, a, a particular set of skills. Um, but anyway, I watched um, the first season of The Boys. And then I started reading the, you know, the comic. And it, it's pretty extreme. It's one of those ones that's... Uh, Super over-the-top uh, mature content. Um, Billy Butcher, who is played by uh, Judge Dredd. <laughs> he uh, he uh, has a bulldog that uh, just basically likes to just fuck all the time. And um, in the series, uh, they don't show that that much. 
but it just the the uh, just the audio just paused there for a second. And I noticed in the last episode, I kind of was was listening to the last episode and I noticed a couple of pauses uh, where I guess the app or whatever was freezing. So I'm, I'm watching it right now and I just noticed a couple of times it paused there. Uh, so I just stopped speaking. But anyway, uh, Billy Butcher has the, um, the bulldog that he just basically has to say, go get him. And the dog will start trying to fuck whatever he tells to. And uh, it's a huge, like, cross between i think like a bulldog and a pit bull or something in in the comic uh they it does show up in the series but only like you know just kind of i think it was kind of like a wink and a nod to the graphic novel uh because it's only there just for you know a few minutes um but anyway it's a really good show it kind of reminds me of uh the dc comics um storyline where Batman or not Batman where Superman uh basically kind of goes bad and becomes like a fascist right wing strongman I mean basically just is in control of the entire earth uh and rules it his way and he has um a bunch of criminals and heroes that work for that that are on his side uh, Wonder Woman and different people like that. And then, um, uh, of course, then Batman is more, you know, I guess he would be more on the, uh, like a partisan. And he has a group of heroes and villains and stuff like that, that, that follow him. And it kind of, it kind of follows along with that or Squadron Supreme or something like that. Um, but it's really good. The, the TV show is really good. Uh, and I started watching uh, the fourth season of Fargo and, you know, I've watched the mo- the movie Fargo, and I've watched uh, all the seasons so far leading up to this one. And it's one of those ones that they I don't mind the wait in between seasons because I think each season is only like maybe like eight episodes or something like that. So they're not real long, and you can get into them pretty good. But not only that, um, I don't mind waiting a while because the content is so good and so clever and um the way that they not only do they um have the series the different uh, the different um <clears throat> seasons linked even though they're in different parts of time like say ones in the 80s ones in the 50s ones in the you know 60s or whatever like that um there are characters played by different actors and you kind of, if you go, like I said, I, I didn't notice it at first until I got on YouTube and they started pointing out who was who. And like, you know, Keith Carradine plays an older character in one season, but then you find out that he was uh, this other character in uh, an earlier season. Um, but anyway, this, uh, this season you have Chris Rock and you have, um, Raylan Givens from um, Justified. And I really like him, and I, I enjoy, so far, I'm enjoying his character. It's, he, he hasn't been on there a, a lot, but, of course, you know, he just has that certain charisma and is pretty funny and has a way of, of like, um, I, I don't know if I want to say menacing a bad guy, 
but in such a way that it's funny because it's almost kind of like a Raylan Gibbons kind of a, a Timothy Oliphant kind of a character where he is the good guy or even um, Seth Bullock and uh, Deadwood. He's the good guy. Uh, but when he goes up against like, uh, some stooge or some, you know, toady or something like that. Uh, he can read him pretty much right away. It kind of reminds me of like Wyatt Earp in uh, Tombstone, you know, smacking around Billy Bob Thornton, who was trying to be, you know, a big, tough, loudmouth guy threatening everybody. And Wyatt Earp took one look at him and thought, you know, as much as this guy runs his mouth, he's just trying to intimidate and he smacked the shit out of him and told him to pull his, he didn't even have a gun and told him to pull his pistol or, or you know, or get the fuck out because he was going to beat the shit out of him. But anyway, I'm drinking some Gatorade during this episode too. And it's not even a, um, a sponsor of the show. <laughs> like I said, just came back from a ride. So, and uh, I'm just warming up. But when I was riding, I just thought, you know, man, maybe I'll go back and uh, do a little little uh, episode. I don't know how long it's going to go or not. Um, but those are two series that I'm watching. Uh, I'm really enjoying um, right now. Uh, a movie. I was thinking about the last episode when I was telling you, you know, about all these movies that I had watched. And, you know, I'm not sure if I could go back and and. uh speak on them too much because some of, a lot of them are, are uh, noir movies uh, from the 40s and 50s and some of them are only like an hour and 12 minutes long on YouTube and then some of them are full length you know between an hour and a half and two hours but I'm just going to go through some of the list uh, you know look at some of the ones and see if I can jog my memory a little bit I did watch two Night Stalker movies with da Darren McGavin it was like the pilot of the series and everything I remember when that was on, uh, but I was just a, I was just a keyed, as Elton John would say. Would have liked to have known you, but I was just a keyed. And uh, so Darren McGavin, I don't, I didn't remember too much of it, other than it was it was a horror, horror ish, and it had a sense of humor. And I watched uh, uh, two of the Night Stalker movies, and I really enjoyed them. I thought they were, I thought they were good. I thought Darren McGavin and um, Simon Oakland were have a really good chemistry, and I like that um, uh, Kolchak, you know, kind of. I, I I just like that type of character, the the kind of hard boiled, weathered, uh, you know, been there, done that, um, uh, investigative reporter. Wish we had more of those today, <laughs> but I also like the occult thing, you know, involved there and. Um, it's a, I think it's kind of like a, I was going to say a good companion piece for X-Files, but this one is a lot more funny. Um, I think maybe, um, oh, uh, what was the show that it was? There was a show that can't, spun off of the X-Files. And it was the three gunmen, I think. <laughs> they took their name after the, um, the uh, triangulated crossfire of the, conspiracy theory if you think it's a conspiracy theory which i don't i think it was true um with the kennedy assassination you know the one guy up in the you know 
uh, whether it was uh, one guy up in the school book uh, depository, one guy on the grassy knoll, and another guy, and they, you know, just basically Kennedy and the uh, caravan, you know, just went into a little uh, fulcrum point and uh, uh, they pushed him. You know, he was going right into his killer, I think. I think there was the guy on the grassy knoll and shot him. And, you know, people with that, um, they're like, well, you know, if it's a conspiracy, how could so many people keep their mouth shut? Like the the military or the, you know, everybody in the CIA or everybody in the mafia and everything. And it's like, that's just like almost like smokescreen or kind of a stupid way of thinking just because you're saying CIA, mafia, Cuban uh, exiles and, um, you know, whatever. It's not every single person in those organizations it was a little cabal you know and they they got things done and and uh it, it, i think that there was uh santos traficante uh and i think he was involved in pulling this uh some of the strings but i think that um there was that um the when you talk cia you have guys that were that are officially cia and they work for the company and they were trained and everything but they recruit people to who are operatives who might be some of the scummiest people on the planet earth and they're not cia or on cia payroll per se but they are you know scummy low-life people and at that time of course they were recruiting all these mercenaries and things like that to train cuban exiles and the cuban exiles had the connections with or not all of them but the ones involved had the connections with the mafia through um all the casinos and everything that were being run in Cuba and they got kicked out or they barely got out some of them with the skin of their teeth. Uh, and you know, they all kind of had their little thing and they said, you know, let's, let's get this fucker. Now, you know, I don't know if, you know, some people say, well, was LBJ involved in this and that. And I, I don't know if I would go that far. That's, that's going way out there and going really, really, really far out there. But I think that, uh, you know, that there was a conspiracy and they, and, and back then, uh, like today, you know, killing the president, if they, if somebody ever tried, you know, the security is so much greater with that goddamn, uh, you know, with, with everything, with the limousine, it's like a friggin' tank and, you know, they, they cover everything thing and have it all planned out and this and that and blah 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 back then you had a guy riding around in a fucking convertible driving down the street going you know at, at a parade pace you know really super slow so it wasn't exactly like the you know it, it took a lot you know you probably could have when they when they say triangulated uh, crossfire you probably could have just had one guy up there but the other ones you know were there to either uh, cover up or co create a distraction and or uh, 
you know, three's better than one, you know, if you're trying to get the shot. But I'm getting off into executive action, you know, material with uh, Burt Lancaster and Robert Ryan and Will Gear, And I really like that movie. I think that's a very good movie. Uh, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if things didn't go down that way. You know, you have some rich industrialists. And like I said, um, you, when you talk about uh, these guys having mercenaries and things like that working for them, you look at United Fruit and some of these um, big oil companies and things like that that would use, you know, secu- what they would call them security or, you know, pay off, uh, uh, well, like I said, mercenaries and uh, private uh, contractor uh, security in South America and other countries to keep the uh, people in line and, you know, the workers and to, and if there were, uh, you know, the rebels that were trying to take over and nationalize whatever company it is, uh, you know, eh, what are you going to (laughs) do? We get off on tangents, but um, Night Stalker, I really liked, um, I'm not sure. I I had heard a rumor that uh, Mark Wahlberg might possibly be cast as the new Kolchak. So, you know, let me know what you think about that. Um, I watched a movie called A Rage to Live, and um, this was pretty good. It, it was a certain amount of melodrama, but I had seen it before. I didn't realize when I started watching it that I had seen it before. Um but it stars uh, uh, Suzanne Plachette uh, and Ben Gazzara and Bradford Dillman. And um, the one thing about this movie is um, it's one of those, I think it was based on a novel. And uh, it's one of those novels that if you're my age, that your mother and your aunts read that was like probably really saucy and hot and scandalous. <laughs> you know, it's like women would bitch about guys reading uh, Playboy, Penthouse and Hustler or something. But they would read Cosmopolitan and, you know, my sister's got Cosmopolitan magazine and I would sit there and look at it and, you know, they would have articles in there that were, you know, shit, just about as dirty sometimes as, uh, but the women, you know, aren't as much visual as they are like reading this, you know, just reading the stories and that being their turn on in their imagination instead of us like, you know, seeing the the, the hustler beaver hunt, you know, and all that shit. But um, this was pretty good. And the reason I said um, it, how steamy it was, was the character, the, 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 the whole movie revolves around Suzanne Plachette's character. And that was when she was really young and man, she was hot. And uh, I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> uh, to live a rage to live in my pants. Um, but the thing about that one is Suzanne Plachette's character, and I I didn't read the book, so I don't know, but in the movie, she's portrayed basically as like 
a nymphomaniac. Um, she's a young girl, and at the beginning of the movie, she's underage, and she's going to high school, and she's fucking around with these guys. And then one hears, you know, I heard she was pretty, you know. And, and it's not like she's like, a, you know, a white trash or anything. I think she comes from a fairly middle class, but a upper middle class family and everything. But um, she starts messing around with this, like, you know, some boys at school. And, you know, when she gets turned on, she's like, whoa, daddy, you know. But then, <laughs> uh, and she's good looking. So it's, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, interesting to watch her. In, in the, but, you know, they don't, they don't, um, they don't show you, like, a lot of stuff and you don't see her naked or anything. That's 1965, a rage to live. But, um, then word kind of gets around town that, you know, she's a little, you know, hot to trot or whatever. So then she starts screwing around with a guy who's like not even in, uh, school anymore and but it goes through some stages in her life like when she gets older and she meets a, a, a guy and she gets married but you know you think oh she met you know Bradford Dillman and, and he's really nice and he really loves her and everything but you know just when you think she's changed you know she hasn't and she kind of starts having a little thing here and a little thing there but it's kind of hot. But like I said, it's kind of a it's kind of melodramatic, uh, almost. I, w- I wouldn't say well, maybe a little soap opera ish. But um, it's it's kind of goes some places that you wouldn't normally think. It kind of reminds me of um, uh, that Marlon Brando movie with um, Elizabeth Taylor. Um, was it something the Golden Eye? <laughs> God damn it! This is why you should prepare. Um, Reflections in a Golden Eye. Brondo. Let's look up Marlon. Maybe we'll talk about him a little bit too. Um, but one of those movies that, what I was going to say is, it's kind of, you know, one of those movies that, even though it took place in um, the 60s, uh, and they don't spoon feed you everything, you don't see anybody's pussy or, you know, big wang or anything like that um they kind of it's it's very risque for the time you know and uh reflections of golden eye one of the reasons that that i say that with that one is well first of all you know um elizabeth taylor's characters screwing around on her husband but also uh brando's character is basically in the closet and um you know, he starts seeing um, uh, he's he's a in the uh, officer in the military, and uh, they have this young guy, the young private, come and take care of uh, Elizabeth Taylor's horses, and uh, it's Robert Forster, and Brando, you know, is basically looking at him like you know fucking he's looking at a t-bone steak and shit uh so that's something that you normally wouldn't see and um and uh, also the movie the chase uh that's another movie with brando and i think there's a lot of uh it's like i said kind of under the cover and they talk around it and stuff like that but i think in the movie the little town that brando is the chief of police in i think there's like a bunch of them that are swingers and they kind of uh you know have all fucked each other and everything else so hey brando you know he's all off into all that shit uh let's move on but that was pretty good and ben gazara is really young in that too and i always liked um bradford dillman he's he's pretty good usually he plays a a bad guy 
or in, if it's in like a military movie or something like that, he'll be an officer, just kind of like a, a side character, but he's always good. Uh, let's see. Wicked Woman. <laughs> I watched a bunch of movies that, that, that were like, uh, like I said, noir, and, or, and, and they have like the uh, the bad girl and all this and that. Let me look this one up. We'll see what's going on here. Because like I said, shit, some of these, I've watched a whole shitload of Wicked Woman. Now, it'll probably be like Tracy Lord's movies and stuff come up. Uh, there it is. Wicked Woman. Ba, 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 drift. Uh, this is 1953. And there are a shitload of these fucking movies on YouTube for free. So, I mean, you know, if if you uh, really want to get and once you watch one, it'll offer up, you know, movies like this. And this stars uh, Beverly Michaels and Richard Egan. I had heard of Richard Egan before this. Uh, drifting floozy Billy Nash gets a bar job when she, where she seduces the owner's husband by convincing him to defraud his drunken wife in order to elope together to Mexico. But a sleazy neighbor with designs on Billy jeopardizes her plans. Yeah, this one was pretty good, too. It was pretty, um, uh, pretty uh, sleazy and sexy. You know, uh, you have the chick, and uh, the guy is kind of like the, a nice guy, and he um, he runs this bar and his wife, they've been married forever. And she's, you know, she's kind of like wears the pants in the family. But then he and, and you can kind of see how he I don't know if I want to say he's getting tired of the, the old lady bitching at him and shit all the time. And then this hot blonde comes in, but this one was pretty good. And like I said, the, the wicked woman, it was pretty hot. And, uh, they, like, again, they don't really show anything, but, um, it, it had this, the chick, uh, the Be- Beverly Michaels chick. I remember she really knew how to use the puss and her good looks to get what she wanted from men. And she's staying in this little shitty, uh, kind of not a flop house, but a little, uh, um, ah, like a hotel, but it seems like it would be one of those hotels where like the, the bathroom is down the hallway and she has this little creepy, you know, kind of, uh, very, um, harmless guy who's her neighbor and he's in love with her as soon as he sees her he's like oh my god oh my god but he's you know trying to be real nice to him she's she's always nice to him and humors him and everything but then he wants to take it to the next level and like go out on a date with her but she always she'll say yes but then she'll say well i got a headache or when it comes that time or something like that but he doesn't know this whole time that she's fucking around with this married guy but this is a good one and it's worth a watch uh, like i said now that one's an hour and 17 but uh it's it's definitely worth a worth a uh, look um I watched a movie called The Great Man, and this stars Jose Ferrer. Jose Ferrer. Uh, let's see. It is basically. Um, God damn it, where's it at? There it is. The Great Man. Um, kind of like a face in the crowd with Andy Griffith. But you don't ever see the um, Andy Griffith character. 
this guy is um, not as much a politician as he is. He would be like a Walter Cronkite or somebody like that, um, who at the time um, was the the voice of the news and everything, and um, that everybody looked up to and all this and that. But in this story, that the guy that they're talking about uh, has died. And then they're looking for somebody to eulogize him and all this and that. And Jose Ferrer's character, they give him the job of basically going out and talking to um, the people that knew the great man. That was the thing that he went by. Like if he was Rush Limbaugh or something like that, you know, he, he his actual his actual moniker on air was the great man. Um and he had done all these things like gone, you know, a war correspondent in World War II and was famous for, you know, coming like Paul Harvey or somebody like that. Like if, you know, you always hear, you know, uh, Paul Harvey got day. And there's some some of you people probably wouldn't even know who the fuck Paul Harvey is now because he had passed away. But he used to be on the radio all the time. They would just have like a little, you know, a minute or two minute thing that would come on and it would be, you know, uh, the Paul Harvey, he would give a little anecdote and talk about something, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, everybody loved Paul Harvey, but, um, Jose Ferrer goes around and starts talking to people that knew the great man, cause he's going to do this eulogy and everything. And he starts finding out, uh, things that don't necessarily add up or that maybe the great man wasn't what his persona on the radio and in the media, uh, you know, what people actually thought he was. So it's a pretty good movie. That was a good one, too. And that one, like I said, 1956. Um, I enjoyed that one a lot. Er, Rolf watched uh, U.S. Seals 2, The Ultimate Force. <laughs> I haven't seen that one, so I can't comment on that one. But I'll tell you what, I I, I tried. I tried to watch the uh, Navy SEALs movie with uh, Michael Bean and Charlie Sheen. And even when it first came out on VHS, I tried to watch that thing, and I just thought it was so fucking... It, it's like Top Gun, but Navy SEALs, and it just... I didn't think it was worth a shit. And I don't think, I don't know if I've ever finished it or not. Cause I always end up turning it off cause it sucks. Uh, let's see. What's this one called? Pickup. That one's pretty good too. Had a hot chick. Um, I think I know what this one is. They gave her a bad name and she lived up to it. <laughs> goddamn right. She did. Oh, God damn it. Where the hell is the, uh, what's her name? That's another Beverly Michaels. She got around. Round, round, get around. I get Beverly Michaels. Um, she was pretty hot. I think this is the one where her and her friend were always trying to pick up dudes. Um, there it is, pick up. Um, no, let's see. Low budget tabloid lurid story with high camp value of an older man falling for a much younger. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is exactly what I, I thought it was. Um, Beverly Michaels and her friend um, are poor. They're both hot, though. And they will go to like these either a bar or a restaurant, bar, restaurant, whatever, and sit there and then try and get some 
poor sucker to, uh, or maybe even into a store or something like that and start talking to, uh, some dude who they would have no interest in, you know, it wouldn't even be like a good looking guy or be an old guy or something like that and flirt with him and have the guy buy him drinks and take him out to dinner so they could get a meal just cause they're fucking hungry, you know, and they don't have any money. So anyway, she gets tired of doing this. They have like a, almost like a little contest where they do that and she just gets tired of it. So she sets her eyes on this dude, this old dude, uh, and I guess that would be Hugo Haas. And he also wrote and directed this. But um, he... Uh, no, wait a minute. I thought that was... Um, fucking... Is Hugo Haas the guy that played in Sunset Boulevard? That played... Uh, what's his face? <laughs> Max? Some bitch. Let me look it up. There's a light... Certain kind of light that never shone on me. That's your musical interlude while I'm looking something up. I want my life to be here with you. I was thinking that was Max from fucking uh, Sunset Boulevard. Or, or was that uh, Otto Preminger? <laughs> I'm not drunk. So anyway. Uh... Let me look here. I haven't had that laugh in a while. It's stupid laugh. Uh, Eric von Stroheim. I thought Eric von Stroheim was the, the guy in this. I, but that might be another movie. I think that was another movie. Um, the, another one that I'm probably talking about here in just a little bit. Um, but so anyway, she gets tired of you know these scams and everything. She's just worn out. And so she hits on this dude who is uh, buying up. He goes into town at the beginning of the movie, his dog gets killed. So he goes into town to, um, he's going to get another dog. And, you know, instead of, I guess maybe they didn't have adoption agency or something like that. And she sees him and she kind of singles him out. Well, then, of course, he falls in love with her and he works at like a train station. He's like the, uh, the guy who, you know, does the schedules and basically like Burt Lancaster's character in the train. And he has this younger guy that works with him. That's good. You know, good luck. And of course she gets with the old guy that runs the train station thing and gets in with him. And then she starts fucking the younger guy <laughs> that works there and starts trying to talk him into, um, uh, they, they they start plotting and planning almost like a body heat uh, where they're going to do something with the insurance company. They're in the guy, the old guy's insurance policy so they can uh, make it look like he gets killed in an accident and they can get all the money, but it's a good one too. And she's hot. And you know, a lot of times the chicks that are, are um, kind of the, the clever ones that'll slit your throat are hot chicks. <laughs> Okay, the next, <laughs> and that's why I'm single because I always go for them. And you know what are you gonna do? Um, this one was pretty good. I enjoyed this one. It's called the um, the Wayward Bus, and um, I didn't know anything about it, but I saw that John Steinbeck. Uh, it was based on a John Steinbeck novel, so I figured, okay, well, it's probably going to be you know at least the content's going to be pretty good. Hang on one second, and. Um, 
it says, you know, it's it's uh, the two main people in it that I recognized were Joan Collins and Jane Mansfield. And I had seen some things with Jane Mansfield, but it's she's almost like in the in the stuff that I had seen her in. She almost portrays like what uh, Suzanne Summers did in uh, Three's Company where she plays the, the dumb blonde. So you almost expect that. But in this one, she really wasn't. And I was, I was, it was a nice surprise. And Joan Collins and her husband run a, um, a bus, uh, like almost like a Greyhound bus kind of a thing. Um, uh, they have the bus stop that they run uh, that has like the bar and the restaurant in it. And then he's the bus driver. But he it's like kind of like a shitty bus, like a crappy shitty bus. But it's a, you know, a big bus, but it's just broken down. And, th- and they're trying to, you know, stay uh, afloat as far as financially, you know, maybe having it wanting to get a, a new bus and all this and that. And so you have people coming in there. It's one of those movies where, like uh, the movie Hotel with Rod Taylor, where you have all these people coming in and out, and and so they get to meet. Or the TV show The Love Boat. You have different people thrown together all the time from out of town that are going from here to there or staying here or whatever. So anyway, uh, the whole story is basically um, the main guy in this movie i think it's dan daly i think he was in the the tv show combat oh wait a minute that's not him wrong guy dan daly that's another dude uh here it is uh rick jason uh he was see when when i was a little kid we used to get in the in the newspaper you would get the um it would be like the newspaper tv guide and it was made of newspaper material but it would tell you what's on all the local channels and um of course, we had the regular, you know, you could go to the grocery store and buy the little TV guide, but, you know, we would just get that out of the paper. And the the TV show Combat was always on uh, this one channel that we didn't get. And I always, I was always loved uh, war movies when I was a little kid. And so I always wanted to see Combat because it would have like a, 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 a advertisement or advertisement in there and they'd have some pictures of Vic Morrow and I guess this Rick Jason was one of the main characters in that so I had never seen him in anything I don't think and um, he was he was really good in this Uh, it had some stuff about uh, like some racism and things like that in it Um, Jane Mansfield's character is like a um, burlesque dancer she's really famous but she's you know jane mansfield so she's statuesque bleach blonde and everything and she's just tired of that whole life and guys just you know wanting her for one thing and passing her around and everything and so when she's riding on the bus she meets this guy who's a salesman and he's kind of just like a normal guy um like nobody that you would think she would ever go out with just kind of like a an, an, an average joe but he's really nice and he's nice to her and that's refreshing to her. And so you have some, some of that stuff going on. Um, there's a, like in the other movie uh, with the wife and the, and the husband that owned the, the bar. Uh, this one's the same way. They don't not like each other, Joan Collins and uh, Rick Jason's character, but um, it's just, they've been together for a long time and things are, things are rough uh, financially and when he gets on the bus to go to the next t- 
town, uh, there's a real bad, like, uh, I don't know, I wonder if I say a hurricane or something like that going on. But uh, these people need to get from here to there. And there's like uh, really bad flooding that's uh, uh, predicted and things like that. It's, it's dangerous to go on these roads, you know, with rock slides and stuff like that. But he's the guy. He's done it a million times. And he says, OK, I'll get you through. And then you have a bunch of stuff that happens. But this is pretty good. It's it's actually I, I, I liked uh, a lot of the characters in it. And um, I like the way that the movie went. So, hey, I'm remembering some of this stuff. By God, I need a little help from IMDb to get started. What's this one here? Shit, partner. Let's see. What was this one? I'll look at the little synopsis and I'll find more titles that match. Bitch, you better find more titles that match. You can make me look bad. Um, okay. Mechanic wants his... Boss's younger wife for himself and plans on using a junkyard car to run him over that the oh yeah okay <laughs> this is another Hugo Haas uh, directed movie and a screenplay by Hugo Haas just like the other movie we were talking about um, the dude another one where the um, older guy that has this business, you know, like uh, uh, um, has a wife that's way too hot for him, way too young, way too hot. And again, like the synopsis says, um, she gets this young guy and gets him wrapped around her little finger uh, uh, using her puss. And he, of course, you know, he's kind of a tough guy and everything. He's like, look, baby, you think you want to get involved in this kind of stuff? Well, maybe I don't. But then all she has to do is spread the golden legs and everything. And he's like, you're mine, baby. <laughs> baby. So anyway, they, cr they come up with this plan to do in the husband. There's a lot of the same theme runs through all these. I can't give you... What's this say? Okay. I can't give you anything but love and murder, baby. Uh, Cleo Moore, Hugo Haas, and Vince Edwards. So Hugo Haas is the old guy in this one, too. That's just the thing. It's, you know, maybe there's a one in a million thing. But when you're like... Okay, say you're like my age. And then you have some 20-some-year-old hot chick that just thinks you're just goddamn irresistible. Well, get a goddamn grip because you're going to end up getting run over by a car. <laughs> Vince Edwards, what was he in? I know I have seen him before. Oh, he was in The Killing. I think he was the guy in The Killing that was fucking um, the one dude, um, dude's wife who was a bitch. And she was with, let me look here. She, the, the, okay, yeah. Um, Vince Edwards is the dude, Val, in The Killing with Sterling Hayden. And Eliza Cook Jr. was the weak kind of wimpy guy. And he had this chick, uh, Mary Windsor's character, uh, who was way too good looking for him. And she was always bitching that he was that, you know, he was a loser and he wasn't making enough money and blah, 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 blah. But she's fucking Vince Edwards on the side because and he's like a thug. He's like Johnny Stompanato, sort of that kind of character. Well, this is Vince Edwards is in this movie. 
And so he was on Ben Casey, too. What else was he in? Devil's Brigade. Okay, I just watched that recently. So we might be talking about that here in just a few minutes, too. Devil's Brigade. I wondered who that guy was. There was a lot of people. Somebody asked me about Devil's Brigade when I posted that I watched it. And I said, you know, it's kind of a lesser Dirty Dozen. But there were a lot of actors in that. Um, you know, like Dirty Dozen, you think, okay, they had uh, uh, Charles Bronson, Jim Brown, uh, um, um, John Cassavetes, Telly Savalas, and all these guys, uh, fucking Trini fucking Lopez or whatever, you know. Uh, was it Trini Lopez? Um uh, but anyway, you had all those guys that were familiar faces. And then when you watch Devil's Brigade, you know, there's William Holden, of course. And there, was, there were a few people in there that I, I recognized. But then there were some actors that I'm like, okay, well, who's this guy? Who's this guy? And I had to look him up. And a lot of them were, were actors from that time that did a lot of work, but either on TV or, or in movies, but that I wasn't really that familiar with. But anyway, this Vince Edwards, he's the kind of guy that is will be fucking your, you know, wife or girlfriend behind your back, of course. But so anyway, this one, there's a twist. I'm going to tell you what it is. <coughs> I'm not. 1957, hit and run. So check that one out too. It's worth a watching. Hot chick, hot, hot conniving chicks. You, you, you know, you just got to keep it in perspective. You know, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? <laughs> that's sexist. I think that's what they call that. Um, I watched Brannigan with John Wayne. This was, I've seen this one many times because when I was a kid, I was a huge John Wayne fan. But again, like when I said the lesser, a lesser dirty dozen, this is, it's one of those movies that, okay, you had, uh, whether it was Steve McQueen and Bullet or Clint Eastwood and Dirty Harry, and you had these actors that were having a lot of success uh, playing policemen, uh, hardcore, you know, uh, uh, whatever, you know, kind of cops in movies. And John Wayne, I guess they decided, okay, let's let's uh, get the Duke and see if we can we can roll him over from war movies and westerns into a new genre that'll give his uh, career some life later on in his life. And so they had two movies, and uh, one of them was Brannigan, and the other one was McHugh. And I actually read in um, uh, online that the movie McHugh was supposed to be uh, they were they wanted to cast Steve McQueen in that role, and he had just done Bullet, uh, not that I don't know if it was that close to when he had done Bullet, but he had done Bullet, so he was like, I don't know if I want to do this or not. And so you have like a car chase in it and, and John Wayne has a cool car. I think it's like a trans, a, a green trans. I looked it up and there were only a certain amount of them made. But the thing about both of those movies and they weren't that successful at all was that by the time that John Wayne did these movies, he was too old. I mean, he was supposed to be playing like a, uh, a, a cop that's in his like mid fifties maybe, but he was like 65. I mean, he was 10 years older than what he was supposed to be. This one isn't bad. Uh, it's a fish out of water kind of a thing, almost like crocodile Dundee, except it's the, you know, big, big, tall yank, uh, John Wayne going to England. 
uh, to bring back a, I think it was a um, Chicago like underworld guy was um, in England, sort of on the run, not on the run as much, but uh, he was trying not to get killed. And so Brannigan, who is John Wayne, is going over there to bring him back. And they have uh, our Richard Attenborough um, plays the uh, British cop uh, who is always getting on John Wayne about carrying a gun. And John Wayne's like, you know, you're taking my gun. I mean, they get along and everything. And they, but it's, it's, um, it's an entertaining movie and it has a good, uh, a good heel, uh, bad guy, not the moth, the head mafia guy, but the, the hitman that they hire who sort of has kind of like a, um, um, sort sort of like the the character that uh, Joe Don Baker played in Charlie Varick, uh, Molly. He doesn't say hardly anything, but he's that kind of guy that would go to a whorehouse and and they show you um, what kind of a guy he is because you know he stays there overnight and he you know his thing is to like beat the shit out of the fucking hooker that he's that they get for him to you know. They basically say, hey, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, you can stay here. Uh, so-and-so this, what's her name will take care of you, you know? And she comes in and he's like wanting to strangle her and shit. And, uh, John Vernon is also in this, um, who played, uh, Dean Vernon Wormer in Animal House and was also in, uh, Point Blank with, uh, Lee Marvin and, uh, he was in the Outlaw Josie Wales. He was in a bunch of shit. And he's always really good. I like him a lot. Ralph Meeker is also in this. Uh, yes, see Leslie Ann Down. Um, let's, let's 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 move on from Brannigan. But again, and McHugh, I haven't seen that one in a long time. But like um, the one thing about McHugh is they tried to go kind of gritty uh, and a little bit nasty and dirty that you wouldn't think that you know John Wayne would be involved in and. Um, uh, like his love interest, sort of love interest. He has this chick who's a hooker. Uh, she's a uh, middle-aged. It was uh, George C. Scott's ex-wife. Um, oh, what was her name? Why am I bringing up another goddamn IMDb thing when I got this one up? Mc, you, Mickle. John Wayne is a cop who's a lethal weapon. Do you think Mark Wahlberg should play McHugh in the remake? <laughs> I'm thinking of Colleen Dewhurst, um, and that's what's funny is uh, somebody was just ta- somebody was just talking about uh, George C. Scott online, and I said I uh, I think it was um, C. J. Ramon. <laughs> Who actually liked a comment uh, that I put on there? He he had been posting uh, a lot of uh, country music stuff uh, that he said that he remembered from his childhood, and he posted something about Buck Owens, and I had said, you know, put a comment on there that my mom uh, loved Buck Owens' guitar player Don Rich, who was Buck's like best friend, and he got killed in a motorcycle accident when we were little kids. You know, I remember when Don Rich got killed in a motorcycle accident, and. Uh, my mom was kind of devastated, and they said Buck never recovered from that. That was his best buddy. Uh, but but during uh, uh, C.J. Ramon had posted something about um, 
oh was, uh, he and uh one of his friends i think had watched Patton, and um i said you know something about george c scott being a great actor and i didn't want to you know I, I started to put down you know but he was kind of a, an asshole as far as being a, a drunk and a woman beater uh but he was married to colleen dewhurst and then during the movie uh the last run um it, it had um the main star, of course, was George C. Scott. You had Tony Masante and uh, Trish Vandeveer and Colleen Dewhurst. Well, George C. Scott started fucking uh, Trish Vandeveer, and that ended up becoming his new woman. She was a lot younger than him, just like we were talking about these other movies. Uh, and Colleen Dewhurst, you know, later on came out and said that he was, uh, you know, a drunk asshole and. They've married for a long time, I think, and uh, he used to beat the shit out of her. But she is in McHugh with John Wayne, and she plays like one of his snitches. And I think he has like a uh, sexual relationship with her at um, or had in the past or something. But she's a junk or uh, she's a junkie, and he actually brings her. He's a cop, and he actually I think brings her some heroin. Uh, to take care of her or whatever, you know, so so she doesn't get sick, you know. That's for 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 information. And that movie has a good cast. Also has Eddie Albert, this uh, Diana uh, Moldar. She I always thought she was kind of hot in a classy kind of a way. Um, let's see who else. Uh, Al Latieri, he's good in this. He kind of plays, of course, the same character he played in uh, the Steve McQueen movie uh, with him and. Uh, What's her face? The the block of wood, Allie McGraw. And uh, Roger E. Mosley, that's TC from uh, Magnum P.I. I almost said Magnum T.A., but that was a wrestler. Uh, let's move on. Me. Okay, I started watching that one. I need to go back and finish this. It's called The Iron Curtain with Dana Andrews and Gene Tierney. And uh, something happened, and I didn't get to finish it, and this just reminded me. Um, basically, the I've watched about half of it, and... Um, uh, Dana Andrews is a Soviet agent and it shows him getting trained. Uh, he's going to, uh, work in the embassy and stuff like that. And, uh, um, they test him like this. They send this hot chick to, to, uh, try and get in with him. And he spots right away that she is also like a KGB, uh, agent. And, you know, they're just trying to test him to see if he'll, He'll give up information and shit. But uh, so I need to go back and finish watching that one. That was pretty good. It's also on YouTube for free. Um, this is the Eric von Stroheim movie. It's called uh, The Great Flammarion. That was a good one. This is one to watch. Oh, the Great Flammarion. La Marion. <laughs> Oy. Okay. I didn't know what the great Flammarion was going to be about or what, you know, what the, like the name, the great Flammarion. Uh, it's, it's really good. And uh, of course, like I said, it's Eric von Stroheim who um, played Max in Sunset Boulevard. Um, it's directed by Anthony Mann. And it stars uh, also Mary Beth Hughes and Dan Druyer. Um Basically, this is another movie where the hot young chick who um, is tired of being poor and tired of eating shit and everything, uh, decides she's going to get in with this guy who's famous, the great Flammarion. That's his stage name. 
he works, uh, he's like a sharpshooter, and that's Eric von Stroheim. Um, he looks like he could be almost, you know, if you've seen Sunset Boulevard and you've seen Max in that movie, he looks like he could almost be like an old wrestler or an old Nazi or something like that, you know. Um, but obviously not a good-looking guy at all. But he's a uh, he's a expert shot with a pistol, so he he gets he does a stage thing um, for uh, not like a, as much like a carnival. It's it's on the stage, but they have different acts that come out and everything. So maybe like vaudevillian um, and the great flammarian. Like the the girl will get up there and hold a cigarette in her mouth, and he'll shoot the cigarette out or. Or um, she'll have all these balloons around her, and he can just go bam, 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 and just shoot him like it's nothing. And uh, but of course she gets in with him, and he's kind of a not a good looking guy, but he's got a bunch of money and everything, so she just wants the money. But then again, of course she's in with Dan Duryea, and she's trying to figure out a way to get the ugly guy's money. Uh, she keeps leading him on, leading him on, acting like she's in love with him and everything, but then they're plotting. So that's another one. Now, it seems like all these movies have the exact same theme, so I shouldn't have worried so much about uh, uh, not being able to remember. <laughs> Hot, conniving chick gets with a guy that has money, and they try and figure out a way to get the money. Violated. What was violated? Let me look it up. <laughs> what a show. Um, violated. Mel Gibson is a Jew hater who's been violated. I just saw the Richard Crenna movie about where he was a cop and he got raped. That was a violated movie. That was a made-for-TV movie, I think, too. And it was broke a lot of barriers because it had a, uh, you know, it, it, it dealt with the... Um, It dealt with the, the, the I don't want to say storyline, but it dealt with the, with uh, male rape. Uh, Richard Crenna in that movie is a, um, is a policeman. He's a detective. And um, he is out doing some, I can't remember, you know, on a case or something like that. Uh, some guy gets him and rapes him. And so then he, it, it deals with all the stuff about, you know, uh, how it affects being a man, how it affects him and, you know, not wanting to tell anybody and having to live with that and everything. It's the psychological stuff about that. This uh, movie violated is not that this is 1953 and it's directed by Walter Strait. And, um, it is stars William Hall Holland, Lily Dawn and Mitchell Kowal. Uh, psycho stalks the streets of Greenwich Village, killing and scalping his victims. And this dude, he likes to get women. Um, and he's kind of a, a fucking... They, they're trying to figure out who's doing it, and throughout the entire movie, you don't know who it is. So, But... Um, uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember that much about this one. Let's see. Uh, filmed in New York City and intended for a niche market from art houses to backstreet grindhouses with most of the distribution landing in the latter. Violated is the story of a serial sex killer uh, whose M.O. is cropping the hair of his victims. His love and pursuit of a burlesque dancer leads to his downfall and capture. 
a psychiatrist uses the truth serum to okay i remember that one it was good like i said the goddamn synopsis is telling the whole fucking movie <laughs> but it's worth a watch it's a good movie it's it was pretty good uh and i could see them like remaking something like this it it's almost like a like a fucking cruising with uh Al Pacino, except in the, without the uh, gay leather and wrestling magazines and poppers. That was pretty good. Well, what else we got here? What else is Rolf watching? Escape from the Bronx. I still have not seen that. That's one I need to take a look at. I watched uh, 1408 with Samuel Jackson and John Cusack. And um, I had never seen this. Didn't know anything about it. And I thought it was pretty good. Um, I'm not into, of course, you guys know, because I've said it a million times, I'm not that into scary movies, but I like this kind of scary movie, kind of a psychological thing, but also like ghosts and things like that. And uh, Cusack's character is the kind of guy that goes and stays in haunted houses and places like that uh, to, uh, you know, he writes stories. Well, not just debunking them. I mean, he, he's the kind of guy that would go in and if he saw something, he would write that, you know, he sees, you know, he actually saw something, but he goes to all these places and they all end up being a bunch of bullshit. Directed by Mikael Hafstrom, John Cusack, Samuel Jackson, Mary McCormick. And, um, you kind of, you have to love, you know, when somebody goes to, uh, I like Samuel Jackson's character and the, and the whole thing kind of reminded me of The Shining where, you know, somebody, they, they build up the story before the guy even goes and says, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened. You don't want to stay here. This one room in this hotel, everything else in the hotel is fine, but this one room, you do not want to stay there. You don't want to stay there. You do not want to stay there. And of course he wants to stay there and he keeps calling and asking him. And they said, we can't, we can't rent that room. It's uh, booked up. Well, it's booked up next year. It's booked up the next year. It's booked up 10 years from now. It's booked up tomorrow. It's booked up yesterday. And so of course he, you know, keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. And so then finally he gets his wish. And uh, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't like the greatest motherfucker in the world, but it was pretty good. Cusack. Uh, that one, I t- was that on YouTube or was it on Tubi? I can't remember. I'd like to recommend where it was at, but I don't remember. I've been watching a lot of Family Guy uh, clips on YouTube, which is always funny. Uh, let's see. Rolf also watched... Class of 1999. Haven't seen that one either. He's fucking watching all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. Dead air. Do something. Well, maybe we're getting down to the nitty and the gritty. Too late for tears. That doesn't sound... Oh, this is one of those ones. I watched several movies with uh, Liz, Liz, Lizbeth Scott. And uh, she's a little haughty. Um, let's see. Too late for tears. What the hell is that about? Do you any, you anybody remember? Too late for tears on my cock. Um, 1949. Yeah, I, I, I think I have seen her in some other stuff. And uh, I thought she was kind of cute. 
through a fluke circumstance, a ruthless woman stumbles across a suitcase filled with $60,000 and is determined to hold on to it, even if it means murder. And it also has a dander. Yeah. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank on that one. One night on a lonely highway, a man is speeding. <coughs> Shit. Uh, it's nice to know that frog is still in my throat. One night on a lonely highway, a man in a speeding car tosses a satchel of money meant for somebody else into Jane and Alan Palmer's convertible as they are heading down a mountain road to a party. When they open the satchel, they see what's inside. Alan wants to turn it over to the police, but Jane, with a life of uh, with a life of luxury now within reach, persuades him to hang on to it for a, just for a while. Okay, I remember this one, and it is good. Uh, and she is hot. She's a little conniving little fucking bitch, and uh, I recommend that one too. Let's see, what's it say here? Trivia. I'm like, uh, there was another podcast that used to fucking uh, laugh and joke and say all they did was read fucking Wikipedia. Uh, but that's, <laughs> I remember this and I just, you know, don't fucking remember like every, it was goddamn, when the hell did I watch this son of a bitch? September 18th. It's a uh, fucking almost a month ago. Uh, <laughs> the scar, the scar was pretty good. Let's see. Who's in this son of a bitch. Edward Franz. All these were good. None of them, none of them are great, but they were all uh, worth a watch. They all are like Noir City. Okay. This one is good because you have to kind of suspend some disbelief. Uh, you have a guy who is like a uh, like a professional gambler and he owes a, uh, owes a bunch of money. So he's kind of on the run. And the when I say you have to suspend disbelief... Um, it's one of those ones where he has almost like a doppelganger that he doesn't know about uh, and just happens to go to the town where this guy lives. And everybody that sees him is like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, huh? And But there's a, another guy that he looks just like. And um, that so he tries to figure out a way to he's going to he owes a shitload of money gambling debt and he's going to try and figure out a way to use this to his advantage and say hey i'm not that guy that's the other guy you know so this one was pretty good that was a nice little little twisty twisty uh stars uh paul hein uh henride joan bennett and edward franz that's worth a look that's worth a look people the wiretapper this has this was weird because this mother freaker had uh Bill, Reverend Billy Graham in it. Uh, and it's even on the movie poster. When I was looking, I was like, what the hell is this? You know, do I want to watch? Is this some kind of a religious uh, movie? Because it's like when Billy Graham was really young. 1955. Um, this guy, uh, he had been in like the military and then he was in prison. And so when he gets out, he starts, you know, doing some unsavory things, gets pinched by the pigs. And so, but then he's going to help the pigs out uh, by, because he has a, he was in uh, like communications or something in the army. So he knows all about like back then, like radios and microphones and things like that. And um, 
So he helps them out by, you know, being a wiretapper, you know, uh, so they can get some guys. But then he also gets involved with uh, these like uh, mafia guys. And um, when he goes there, he figures out, you know, he shows this mafia guy, hey, you know, there's. Uh, there's a bug in your fucking room here and everything. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he shows him. He's like, so look, let's see here. And he go, and they said, well, can you find And so he goes out and starts running the wires and finds this, you know, where the, I don't know if it'd be like the FBI or just the cops or whatever at the time had put um, a transmitter underneath the house and like a crawl space. And he shows my, so he gets in with them, but then he's in with the, with the, the cops too. Uh, but then he's meets a, a girl that he falls in love with. And uh, it's a pretty good movie. It's not bad. Billy Graham. He's not in it very much, just toward the end. Uh, watch One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or Einer Flog Uber das Kuckuck's Nest. And this is, of course, Jack Nicholson. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Starring Maximilian Schell and Mark Wahlberg. Uh, let's see what's going on with this cuckoo's nest, as my sister would say. Uh, this was such a good movie. And um, if they remake it, I think, I do think that Mark Wahlberg could play um, Jack Nicholson's part. Um, some people think that I'm crazy when I say that. But, you know, lick my nutsack. And, you know, Scatman Crothers is in this, too. And he they were in The Shining together. So, again, as we used to in the old days when Sylvan Gold was a TV show, we bring things back around. Danny DeVito, uh, Louise Fletcher. I'm telling you, in this movie, I thought she was hot. And I don't think... Okay, she was kind of like a bitchy... The bitchy teacher you had in school. But I, I, I'm like... Um, um, Jack Nicholson's character I think there's some fire down below there and um, they had that I haven't watched it yet it's a made for Netflix I think I don't know if it's a series or just a I think it's a series uh, about Nurse Ratchet and it's I, I don't know if it's a um, an, an, an alternate dimension or what but I it, it seemed like it was almost you know, had a lot like the series American Horror or something like that. And I don't, I don't see her character as being something like that, like some possessed or weird or anything like that. I think I think that's one thing about the movie is that you know, they were all real people. And I thought she was hot and I and uh, she would have been a good dominatrix or because she was so dominant in that atmosphere she would be the person that I would dominate. I'd bust her ass. <laughs> yes. You know, I'd break her down. I'd have to. I mean, you know, some people just have to. You know, that's what they want and that's what they deserve. Uh, Man on Fire with uh, Scott Glenn. Nicht brennt heißer als Deich Reich. Or not Reich. Roche. Uh, Danny Allo, uh, Jonathan Price, Scott Glenn. What's what's his name? Uh, Joe Pesci is also in this. I like this movie. Um, I like the Denzel Washington movie when it first came out. Tony Scott's fucking uh, camera tricks are just, you know, they become like more. Uh, 
I don't know. They just kind of turned me off after a while. Um, the little girl in this almost looks like Natalie Portman when she was young, but it's not. Um, but this movie definitely has a, a, a feel of the times as far as the director goes. But I still like it. I always liked Scott Glenn. It wasn't a big success, though. I'm trying to, I want to see what that little girl's name is in this. Come on, come on, come on, come on, now touch me, babe. Can't you see that I am not afraid? What was that promise that you made? Purr, purr. Why won't you tell me what she said? What was that promise that you made? She was on the uh, TV show Millennium, which I liked. That had, um, what's his name, Bishop from uh, Lance Henriksen. I, I would like to go, that's one, that one, and, um, oh, um, Millennium, I would like to go back and rewatch that series, and what was the one, shit, it was kind of like X-Files or Millennium, and there was a blonde woman who was the main character, and she was a detective. And the way I'll find this is, is one of the guys in it was like a kind of a wacky scientist. And he was in the David Lynch TV show. David Lynch. Twin Peaks. Okay. Twin Peaks. What the heck was that show called? I, it, I know it's going to come to me, but he, he played, I think, the dad. He played Laura, Laura Palmer's dad, I believe. Where are you? Where are you, Palmer? Mother effer. Why can't anything be easy in this? Leland Palmer. Okay. I think he played in that, Ray Wise. I, I can't remember names like his name. <laughs> Obviously. What show were you on, you bastard? Give me, give me shock treatment. Give me, give me shock treatment. Oh, give me, give me shock treatment. I don't want a shock treatment. My God. This bastard was in fucking 5,000 fucking things. How the hell am I going to find it? You guys know. I know you know what I'm talking about. Not 24. It was before 24. It was called... Not Savannah. Not Second Chances. Not Twin Peaks. I thought it was after Twin Peaks, though. Definitely not Knott's Lane. Okay, that's 1998. Maybe I'm thinking of another dude. Chances. And the woman was in on another show. And I don't think she wore a bra in this movie or this TV show. Restart to stay up to date. Go fuck yourself. You think if you restart right now, I'm gonna be pissed. Oh God. Not I wanna say phenomenon. It's not phenomenon. <laughs> what the hell is the thing called? This is horrible, a horrible show done by a horrible person. I deserve everything I'm getting right now. I'm going to drive myself crazy because I was just thinking about this show the other day. I forgot about it. Chuck, not Chuck. 
God damn it. Not psych. <laughs> Does anybody, can anybody help me here? <laughs> Not Agent Carter. I know it wasn't even close. Oh my God. Okay, I can't remember what it was then. I don't remember. It had, I think it had that black guy that was in the wire the wire tv show the one that was like the um is that the same guy i'm never gonna find this fucking thing and now i'm obsessed i can't stop now i am become death <laughs> the killer of podcast god damn it not omar i know who omar was well, it definitely wasn't Wendell Pierce. There he is. Lance Reddick. Come on, dude. What the hell were you in? What was that show called? He was on a show and it was called. And the, the thing is, like right now, the fuckers that know what this is are just screaming that's listening right now. And Fringe. Okay, Fringe. That's what it was. Okay, I want to watch that. <laughs> well, it went all that way to just say I want to watch Fringe and I want to watch Millennium again. So Maybe I should save this so I can remember. But anyway, I like Man on Fire. I thought it was pretty good. It um, Again, it almost has a, it's it's like, almost has like a uh, a European feel. And I, I believe that's because the the actual bastard that fucking did it was a, was he a, a, um, uh, movie, movie, um, video, music video director or something like that. Maybe his name was Ali Shiraqui. And what else did he do? Not probably not very much. It doesn't seem like it. I mean, not over here. I did man on fire and I don't see anything else that I recognize. Let's see what his story is. What's your story? See full bio. Well, that's maybe the only thing that I knew him from. He's a director and writer known for Harrison's Flowers. Uh, Can't tell if that's an I or an L. Fate Cure David. And Le Menture. I don't know. I don't know anything about this fucker. He's the director of two musicals in France, Les Dix Commandements and Spartacus Le Gladiateur. Pre-production of film Oh Jerusalem with Seta Gamma Way, Winona Ryder and Pratic Blue. Fuck it. Move on. <coughs> Dick face. Oh... We have uh, about Schmidt with Jack Nicholson. I thought this was pretty good. Um, I think I had seen it before one time. It's um, Nicholson is really good in this, and um, he kind of reminds me of my uncle Daryl, uh, who was an insurance salesman and um, just the kind of guy that is like stuck in you know he he's married he's got kids 
He's uh, middle class. He's kind of uh, just stuck in a in. He's not moving up any higher like younger guys are are uh, moving up in the company. And he's been there forever. And he's but but everybody likes him and everything. But he almost kind of I, I don't know if I want to say he needs to break out or. Uh, uh, but once you reach a certain age, you know that Kathy Bates is getting fucking naked in a hot tub with you and uh, and trying to seduce you. Blah. I mean, you know, but that's the one thing I liked about this movie. I was going to say this was this movie. A lot of people talk about it like uh, Deliverance where, you know, Ned Beatty and the squeal like a pig and everything. People talked about this one because of Kathy Bates, you know, uh, getting completely naked and getting in a hot tub with Jack Nicholson. But one thing I like about this is, I mean, Jack Nicholson didn't look any fucking better than her and they look like real people, you know, and, uh, the situations that he was in, uh, I, I, I liked, you know, uh, the stuff that he goes through and how he reacts and everything. It's a pretty good movie. I watched Eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger and James Caan. Let me look here and see how long this poop's been going on. Hour and 20 minutes. Uh, this was pretty good. It wasn't like the best Arnold, but it, he was still, he still was all right at this time. And you do have, uh, again, like the Ned Beatty squeal like a pig. Everybody talks about the CGI crocodiles in this one. And, and uh, I didn't know what the fuck a rail gun was until I saw this. Um, but it's kind of cool that um, having uh, James Caan as the baddie in this. And um, I, I would have liked to have seen the uh, another, you know, uh, uh, maybe like a prequel or something to this where they were partners, Arnold and James Caan. It's kind of cool. Sonny Corleone and uh, whatever Arnold Schwarzenegger was, Conan. And this has Vanessa Williams in it of the uh, infamous um, – show your bush and titties in i think uh well i don't think it it was in penthouse magazine but she was done before she was famous uh and they were like artistic pictures and then when she won miss america and was the first black miss america of course these pictures surfaced and then they stripped her of the fucking title which is such a joke but she had a nice body and uh, she's pretty. Although, I did hear, I remember hearing on Howard Stern, they said that um, the one guy saw her, she was on the show, and they saw her in the um, elevator. They they came back and said, I don't know if it's Stuttering John or who it was, and said she had bad skin. But then what's funny was, like years later, she started doing commercials for uh, uh, one of these creams or something for, uh, you know, if you had bad acne and stuff. So at least she embraced it. She was kind of reminded me of like Jane Kennedy back in the day, who was married to Leon Isaac Kennedy of Penitentiary. There was like about three of those movies. I haven't seen those in a long time either. I'd like to go back and watch those. And I believe I saw a, I think it was Jane Kennedy. Um, Somebody had leaked a um, sex tape. I think that she and Leon Isaac Kennedy did, so he probably leaked it. But, I mean, it was back in the uh, VHS days, so it's not great quality or anything. But, I mean, you know, you see some of these um, uh, sex tapes, uh, and they're, 
you know, you think, oh, it's, you know, oh, so-and-so did a sex tape. And it's just kind of like, eh, like Paris Hilton. It was like, oh, that's right. Or uh, Kim Kardashian. She was about the laziest uh, sex I've ever seen in my life, and she was annoying as hell. But uh, Jane Kennedy and I, th- I think it might have been Leon Isaac Kennedy. Uh, the, You know, I watched it, and it was bad quality. But, man, they were getting it on. It was pretty good. <laughs> Let's see what else we got here. I watched uh, A Walk in the Woods with uh, Robert Redford and Nick Nolte. This was pretty good. I mean, you know, a lot of times when, uh, see, like you have uh, older actors and they're at the end of their career and they, like uh, when uh, Kirk Douglas and Burt Lancaster made Tough Guys. Oh, I'm trying to think of other examples, but they make kind of like light, light hearted or lighter kind of uh movies uh james garner and jack lemon and the uh was it uh was that the one where the ex-presidents or something like that i can't remember what it's called um but this one um it was better than i it it was about what i thought it would be but it was entertaining you know it wasn't it wasn't great but it was pretty it was pretty entertaining and i was surprised when you know i had heard at one time that uh before paul newman died that this was a movie that they uh redford and newman were talking about maybe making uh one last movie together and uh, i think i had heard that this might have been the project that they had actually or one of them maybe that they had thought about doing and um I don't know if this microphone was close enough to my face or not. And um, so anyway, they got Nick Nolte. And when I first saw it, I thought, you know, I don't know if this would be that good because isn't Nick Nolte. To me, it seemed like Nick Nolte was young, would have been younger than Redford. But they're about the same age. I was surprised that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Google. Red Ford, for a better way, Bill McKay. We need a better way. We need Bill McKay. Let's see. Redford is. Come on, come on, come on, come on now, touch me, Bill Redford, Bob Redford, eighty-four, and Nick Nolte. is 79 so they're close they're pretty close in age and i saw uh one thing to bring up is uh, when i just saw nick nolte uh, on there is um that mac davis had died and he was in like one of my i've you know a favorite of mine uh, north dallas 40 where he played uh seth who was based on don meredith and uh nick nolte's character was based on the author of north dallas 40 pete gent so um, I, you know, it's just something that came to mind. Old poot. Let's see. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, tie me up, tie me down. That's just a um, um, Al Motivar movie I want to watch uh, with um, a young, what's his face, Antonio Banderas. Tie me up and tie me down. So I need to remember remember to look for that and to watch that. Uh, we may be getting to the end here because I don't know if I have that much more to talk about. What's that? Oh, Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck. There's got to be more. Doesn't there have to be more? Uh, 
Uh, maybe not. Diana Rigg died. Um, I remember her as Mrs. James Bond from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And I had some other stuff here. A book. Oh, well, here's some more. Uh, the Hoodlum. That had uh, Lawrence Tierney in it. That was pretty good. Well, when was that? Um, I just needed to get there. There was a big pause there. Uh, it's funny because everybody remembers him from um, Reservoir Dogs, and but uh, Lawrence Tierney had a you know pretty pretty good uh, career before that. That's not it. That's the big combo with uh, Cornell Wilde, which is also a very good movie. Hoodlum. Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, this was directed by Max Nosek, and it stars Lawrence Tierney, Aline Roberts, and Marjorie Reardon. <laughs> Reardon, a paroled psychopath, a career criminal, Vincent Lubeck, betrays his family's trust when he masterminds a complex armored car robbery. He's a prick in this. That's the one thing I like about this is... Uh, when you're talking about somebody being a, um, a, you know, career criminal and a psycho or a sociopath or whatever, uh, this this motherfucker he was that, and they and uh, they don't uh, sugarcoat it later on or anything. This is a pretty good hardcore, mean kind of a, a fucking movie, um, gangsta movie, lady gangsta. Nineteen forty-two. Okay. Directed by Robert Flore, and it stars Faye Emerson, Julie Bishop, and Frank Wilcox. Dot Burton has acted as a decoy in a bank robbery and fails to uh, fails to get away. Her arrest attracts the attention of Ken Phillips, a former childhood sweetheart. So she's basically a douchebag uh, who believes she's innocent until she confesses. But before going to jail, she manages to steal the bank's 40000 from her accomplices and leaves it with her landlady. Oh, I don't remember that much. But <laughs> I think I'm going to move on to something else because now we're getting back at the beginning of September and I'm not going to be able to remember a lot of this shit. Johnny One-Eye. They're all, like I said, they were all really good. That's uh, Damon Runyon. Johnny One-Eye. Narcotic Squad. Uh, the Missing Corpse. That was good. That The uh, guy, the uh, main guy in that was funny. Um, he's a... Uh, that seemed like it was almost more like a... Um, like it could have been a series of movies or uh, the, the, the main character. Maybe they had... Like I said, either like a series uh, of uh, short movies, a feud between rival newspaper man uh, Kruger and McDonald goes deadly when blackmailing McDonald ends up murdered and his corpse planted in the trunk of Kruger's car. Uh, good guy Kruger attempts to hide McDonald's body with the help of his chauffeur. Blah, 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 blah. I don't want to give away too much more of it, but uh, that one was pretty good. It had like a... I wouldn't say like a mad, mad, mad world cast, but it's it's more of a kind of like a 
uh, funnier movie. The Body Was AWOL and The House Party. What's it say there? The Body Was AWOL and The House Party was on... What? (laughs) The Body Was AWOL and The House Party was on the loose. Okay. But it was pretty good. It was was kind of a charming kind of a movie. I hated Convoy with Chris Christopherson. Double Jeopardy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I think we're going to go to something else here. Um, Some of the stuff I've been reading. Because, like I said, I was get a lot of those are over over like almost two months away, and I'm not going to be able to remember the shit. And I'm spending way too much time looking up stuff and just reading it. Um, I have a book, "The Films of Charles Bron- Bronson" by Jerry Vermillier by Citadel Press. This is like a coffee table book that has all his movies and it has like some of uh, like the gives a synopsis and then uh has some of the uh reviews of the times I'm trying to see what the last movie they had in here for him to give you some idea of how old the book is cabo blanco uh with jason robards i don't know if i've seen that one maybe i need to look that or watch that i i a lot of most of uh bronson's um Movies after he became famous, I have seen. Oh, this has Jason Robards. Fernando Ray. I don't know. I don't know if it even looks that great or what it's about or anything. I have no idea. What's before that? Oh, uh, Love and Bullets. I like that one. Um, What's her name is pretty daffy in it. And he's trying to protect her. And it has Rod Steiger, who is a mafia boss, and he stutters, like, all the time. I guess that was a little thing he added. Telephon. That's a great one. The woods are lovely, dark, and deep. But I have promises to keep. And miles to go before I sleep. And Lee Remick is really good in that. And um, I've said, I think I may have said this before. There's one scene where Lee Remick's always, she's she's an American that's helping him. I guess she works for uh, KGB, but she's an American agent living in America. And he's a um, uh, Soviet uh, KGB that's coming over here to deal with uh, Donald Pleasant's character. But she's always joking around, busting his balls, you know, that, you know, kind of American, you know, in, in a way. And this one part, she says something trying to be funny or be a smart ass. And he just fucking grabs her by the on both sides of her head and just fucking basically tells her, you know, he says something like, uh, when I'd go when I go home, I'd like to remember you being alive. And I think she uh, probably had to go fucking change her underwear. Uh, White Buffalo, that's a fun one. And it has a nice cast in it. Jack Warden is a, uh, like a, he almost reminds me of like a Gabby Hayes kind of a character. And Kim Novak. I think Kim Novak, wasn't she the one she was, uh, she married, um, did she marry Sammy Davis Jr.? And then kind of after that, people were, wouldn't give her any work or something. Because uh, uh, back in the day, you know, they didn't approve I believe, let's see, Vertigo. Maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. I'm thinking of, um, it's not Kim Novak. Well, May Britt. Maybe it's May Britt. 
Um, Sammy Davis Jr. And he was in some movies. They always said that he, you know, with of all the movie stars that made westerns and things like that, they would all practice their quick draw and everything. That I had always heard that he was actually the uh, the fastest uh, draw. And uh, Linda Lovelace said that she, that he sucked uh, Chuck Trainer's dick. <laughs> they they uh, it was when uh, Deep Throat was really popular. And, um, so Linda Lovelace and her husband, who she said was abusive as hell and everything, um, they, um, went, they did like a private screening or something like that of, uh, Deep Throat, uh, and it was Sammy Davis Jr. And I think there, I don't know if it was just him and his wife or who it was, but, um, that, um, in, during the movie, um, Chuck, it was all dark and everything, and uh, somebody started sucking his dick, and he was like, put his head back, and he's like, ugh, you know. And then I guess, I don't know if it was when he got ready to come or something, or when he, he looked down, and it was Sammy Davis Jr. sucking his dick. <laughs> so you guys, I, I, I'm, I'm uh, edu- very, uh, you know, it's educational when you uh, hear this stuff. I bring something new to the table all the time. Now, what? I just saw something here. Uh, Davis's daughter, Tracy Davis, revealed in a 2014 book that his marriage also resulted in President Kennedy refusing to allow Davis to perform at the oh yeah, it was May Britt perform at the inauguration. The snub was confirmed confirmed by director Sam Pollard, who revealed oh there was something else I saw here that I was looking at. Oh, here it is. Okay, uh, it's just it's talking about May Britt and uh, his daughter. Uh, Davis performed almost continuously, spent a uh, little time with his wife. They divorced in 1968 after Davis admitted to having an affair with singer Lola Falana. After his marriage imploded, Davis turned to alcohol and found solace in drugs, particularly cocaine and amyl nitrate, and experimented briefly with Satanism and pornography. So there you go. Maybe that was true about him sucking Chuck Trainer's cock. <laughs> amyl nitrate you know he he was probably like i'm here you're here what was this this sammy davis jr's political beliefs uh well whatever um you know that's kind of bullshit about the may brit thing but you know what are you gonna do that's it's in the past she was kind of hot what else was she in murder inc okay i have that sitting right here in front of me on dvd that was a good movie uh, Blue Angel, The Hunters, Young Lions, that was Marlon Brando and Maximilian Schell and Dean Martin. That was pretty good. War and Peace, I have not seen that. I think Henry Fonda is in that one, maybe. Is it War and Peace? King Vidor. Okay, funniest show on earth. Uh, I haven't seen too many more stuff with her in it, but uh, Kim Novak. I always thought I was always thinking that I got them those two confused. Kim Novak and uh, this uh, the White Buffalo that has um, what's his name from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Will Sampson. I always liked him. He was good. And also um, Clint Walker is in that and the guy that played Bernard Posner from Billy Jack is a little prick in that too. This big white buff keeps charging me. And then... Bronson played the Dan, uh, real life guy, Dan Shamron, 
in uh, Radon and Tebby. And I remember when that movie came out, it was like a big thing, you know, starring Charles Bronson because he was like one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, one of uh, the highest paid and everything. And, you know, it's a good story. It's been told a million times, Operation Thunderbolt, and then also in uh, uh, in the movie Munich, they t- show it. And uh, I'm trying to think what other ones with the... Well, of course... Uh, the last king of Scotland, anything with Idi Amin is going to have that, the Radon and Tebby. Uh, but Bronson, you know, the, it was almost like when they talked about uh, Marlon Brando being in Superman and uh, he got a million dollars and how much, you know, it was all this big thing and everything. And then he was only in it for just, you know, a very brief time. That's kind of how Bronson was in Radon and Tebby. My dad liked this uh, from noon till three. I haven't seen it. Uh, it's a lighthearted Western uh, where Bronson is a famous outlaw and then something happens and everybody thinks he's dead and he comes back and he's like, hey, it's me. And they're like, ah, because after he supposedly dies, his legend uh, becomes so great and so overblown and like the dime novels and things like that. that and everybody that. Uh, people say, you know, I knew him. I used to hang out with him. We used to do this and that and everything. And then when he comes and there are people that didn't even really know him or maybe saw him one time. And when he comes back, nobody believes it's him. Of course it has Jill Ireland in it. Like every other fucking movie he was in. St. Ives was pretty good. Uh, nothing great. Uh, it's kind of always thought it was weird. It's not weird. I, I like the fact that he played against, type sometimes and you know he plays like a famous author in that that's kind of like a sleuth sleuth uh breakheart pass i always like that one that's kind of has a um all-star cast and uh uh almost like an agatha christie kind of a thing on a train but it's back in the old west hard times is a excellent movie i love james coburn and uh bronson had a lot of chemistry in that one of course it also has jill ireland in it struther martin uh, but I, I remember seeing a lot of these movies when the first VHS store started up and I would rent every fucking Charles Bronson movie, Clint Eastwood movie, Burt Reynolds. Um, I'm trying to think who else, but just Dennis Hopper. Uh, there were certain guys that I would just, you know, just look for anything that they had. And of course they were putting out, you know, all these old movies, but they, some of them I had seen, but I had only seen them on TV. And so I had, I'd seen them and they were cut up and, uh, you know, like all the swear words were taken out or anything that was, that wouldn't be shown on TV. So you would get to see it and be like, Oh shit, man. That's like I said, when I, when I first watched uh, big Jake, the John Wayne movie with Richard Boone, I had seen it a million times, but every time I saw it, it was on TV. And then when I watched it uncut, I was like, man, this is fucking like ultra violence. I mean, there used to be in John Wayne movies, you know, they'd shoot somebody, you never saw a hole, you never saw blood or anything like that. And in that one, man, they had, it was like peck and paw, you know, kind of uh, blood and and, uh, people getting hacked with machetes and everything. Uh, Breakout with Charles Bronson. I saw that with my parents when I was a little kid. My dad loved Charles Bronson, and we went to the drive-in and watched Breakout. And uh, my dad would always want to go see these movies, but then we were just little kids, and we had a station wagon and everything. And if anything got the least bit risque as far as sexual or anything like that, uh, like when we went to see, he took uh, uh, me and my sister to see Silver Streak with Gene Wilder and um, 
uh, Richard Pryor, and he was so mad because he they they uh, I don't know if it was rated R or what, but I think that he they cussed throughout the entire movie, and it was a comedy, and we were me and my I mean we were laughing our asses off because you know in back then in our family you know you'd hear your mom and dad say God damn it or shit or something like that, but you never heard the f word or anything like that, and. Uh, uh, I just remember that vividly. We went to see the Silver Streak, and it was me and my sister Lisa, who's like a, not even a year older than me. And um, uh, my dad got mad as hell because <laughs> because they swore so much in that movie. And that was back in the day when, uh, you know, uh, I think um, the last detail with Jack Nicholson was one of the first mainstream movies where they really cut loose with the language. You know, with uh, with dirty words. So you know, you have to look back in that back in those times. You know, they didn't swear that much in movies. Uh, they weren't either weren't allowed to, or like I said, you saw everything on TV, and it was and all the if they did have cuss words in it, it was uh, they were uh, they were clipped out. Uh, the first time I saw um, the Enforcer with Clint Eastwood, the Dirty Harry third Dirty Harry movie, I remember we were at uh, the beach. And um, this was a big thing when Home Box Office first came out, HBO. And um, the place we were staying at on the beach had uh, free HBO. And we were watching it, and The Enforcer was on. And um, I think Clint told Tyne Daly she was trying to uh, – she was going in front of the career board or whatever at the at – you know, with the police and they had Harry come in and sit in with it. And they were asking her questions, you know, like, you know, what would you do in this situation? What would you do in that situation? And Clint's sitting there rolling his eyes and they were like, do you have anything to ask her inspector Callahan? And he said, uh, you know, what do you do when, um, somebody points a, a 12 gauge pump gun in your face and says, hit the hit the dirt, you son of a bitch. And we were like, what? You know, it sounds, it sounds silly now, but it's like, um, yeah, like I said, it's just, it was just a different time and they, you just didn't hear, you know, vulgar blue language. And then it started rolling after that. I'm trying to think what other movies I know. Animal house, we watched that on HBO with my my aunt, uh, who was my mom's sister, and uh, I mean that had nudity in it and everything else. Not only sexual innuendo, but it had like it was dirty, uh, you know, is what we now you wouldn't consider it that bad. But I mean, I remember sitting there and uh, uh, Bluto was on that fucking ladder watching that chick take all her clothes off and play with her tits and shit in front of the fucking window. <laughs> and I was sitting there with my two sisters, my cousin who was a. a girl and my aunt betty and i was just like jesus christ i wanted to crawl i mean i I was like oh my god look at that but i also wanted to crawl underneath the fucking couch because it's you know it was kind of embarrassing sitting there with them if i was by myself i'd have been like probably beaten off (laughs) but we went to see breakout um with bronson and um um Randy Quaid, Robert Duvall, and Cherie North was so fucking hot. And, of course, Jill Ireland. But Cherie North was fucking ten times hotter than than fucking uh, Jill Ireland. And um, she and Bronson had fucked, like, in the past. And she was married to the, uh, like, a, a cop, like some redneck cop. 
who's been in some other movies. I can't remember uh, who it is now. But it was funny because she was horny all the time. She was kind of like uh, Suzanne Plachette in that fucking other movie, except she's just a redneck. And she's, she's like wanting, to, wanting Bronson to... They go away to... They're trying to break... Um, Robert Duvall out of a Mexican prison. I think it was based on a true story, but um, she's like, you know, you want to fool around and everything. And it, she's like a brick shit house. She was in that movie with um, uh, Duvall and Joe Don Baker, the outfit. And I'm trying to think what some other stuff was, but man, she was hot. She used to be a dancer and she has some long ass legs and a sexy body. But we watched that when we were little kids at the drive-in and, uh, He's like, says something about, well, uh, you know, you got to distract these guards. You know, how are you going to distract him? He says, well, just, you know, yell. He says, and he says, well, what should you yell? And he says, you know, like, yell rape. And then later on, she says something to, like Cherie North are in a hotel room. And uh, she says something about, you know, ask Bronson to rape her, but not like, you know, beat her face in like, uh, what's her name in um, Irreversible, but, you know. I guess it was a funny thing, but she was like, why don't you rape me now? You talked about raping me. Why don't you rape me now? And he was like, oh, hell. Oh, hell. Because he had met Jill Ireland, who was Robert Duvall's wife, that came to him and said, can you get my husband out of this pri- this Mexican prison? And, of course, she was like, you know, a good woman. And so he was in love with her. But I would have fucking had them long legs pinned behind her. Cherie Norse ears. I wouldn't give a shit. I mean, he wasn't even fucking attached to uh, Joe Ireland. It wasn't like it was his wife. And even if it was his wife, if, if you're in a fucking Mexican hotel, give me a break. Death Wish. It's a good movie. That was kind of a... When I talked about St. Ives, how it was kind of against type for Bronson. Cause you know he's either a cop or a tough guy or a bare-knuckle boxer or an army man or whatever. Cowboy. Um, but... Actually, Death Wish, you know, it's kind of more like a St. Ives kind of guy. I mean, he's an architect. I mean, he ends up being, you know, a vigilante, vigilante. But, um, and I thought he did a good good role because he, he wasn't just like a badass. I mean, maybe when it got, it, it kind of glamorized, of course, in the two and four and five and three and all that shit. Yeah, definitely. It became like a cartoon character. But in the original one, he played it more uh, like a real person. And um, again, maybe toward the end when he looks at the camera and fucking, you know, puts his hand up like a pistol and goes, you know, or whatever. Uh, it, it's kind of like a badass thing. And then people, of course, like right-wingers go out and, or, you know, oh, Charles Bronson and Death Wish. But, you know, they didn't say that when he uh, went home and after he hit the guys with the coins in the fucking sock and chased them off and then went home and had to drink himself into oblivion and was almost vomiting because he was so nervous and so fucked up. Uh, let's see here. Mr. Majestic, that's always a good one. Don't fuck with Charlie's melons. And Paul Coslow gets hit in the nuts with a fucking uh, butt of a 12-gauge, which is kind of cool. And you had uh, Al Latieri in that. The chick in that, not the uh, Hispanic uh, lady. She was like the, the nice girl, like almost like uh, Joe Ireland in the other movie. Uh, that was the girl that he could he could really fall, in, fall for, you know. But uh, Lee Purcell, oh my God! Every fucking movie she's in, she is a hot. She is a hottie. Uh, Kid Blue with uh, 
um, fucking Dennis Hopper and Warren Oates. And uh, let me look her up because she was in some other stuff. And she is one of these ladies. Oh, she was in Big Wednesday. Uh, she was Jan Michael Vincent's girlfriend in that. Uh, but she is a hottie and she always turned my crank. <laughs> Not to get too personal here, but Lee, what the hell is this? Something about uh, comprehensive immune support pills or something. I must have clicked on uh, an ad advertisement. Uh, Lee Purcell, where you at, hon? Hey, where you at, hon? I know she was in some other stuff that I... Oh, I know. I clicked on a banner thing there. Well, she played um, the girl's uh, mother in Valley Girl. But, you know, that wasn't hot. <laughs> what was she in that? She was, she was hot. <sighs> Adam at 6 a.m. I always liked that movie. That's um, uh, one of um, Michael Douglas's first movies. And it also has Joe Don Baker in it. And obviously Lee Purcell, who is hot. Dig it. Marcus Welby. Dirty Little Billy. That was a good one. That was Michael J. Pollard. Uh, the uh, kind of a reconstructionist Western. That was the movie that I said was like the dirtiest movie I've ever seen. And I don't mean sexually. I mean, everybody in it was so grimy and muddy. And, yeah. and then Kid Blue right after that with uh, Warren Oates, uh, Ben Johnson, and Dennis Hopper. Mr. Majestic, of course, she was Al Latieri's woman. I always wondered what that would be like. I imagine he would be the kind of person that would want to choke a woman and beat her. And um, like in um, uh, Richard Boone in um, Ombre with uh, Paul Newman. And uh, the, the rich lady goes, you know, down. They, they kind of have a siege thing going on. And she goes down to try and, you know, Richard Boone and his goons or you know have them under siege and they want this money and blah 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 and this rich uptight woman she kind of, to me she kind of reminded me of um the lady on Little House on the Prairie that owned the store so kind of like a rich uppity woman uh, or uh, was that her I'm trying to think who it was uh fucking Richard Boone gets her and he's like yeah, you never had it this way before. Oh, no, I think it was a younger girl in that. And she's, she goes down and she's like trying to seduce Richard Boone. And he's like a fucking, uh, like a career convict criminal uh, asshole. And he gets her and he's like, you never had it like this before. You get hurt a little bit, you know. And he's like fucking uh, squeezing her neck and everything and just being real mean. And he goes, you get your hair messed up. You get hurt a little bit and everything like he's going to fucking rape her. So anyway, where that where that come from? <laughs> talking about? <laughs> oh, Lee Purcell. Anyway, uh, I was just thinking about Al Latieri uh, banging somebody, and I think I got that mostly from um, um, the movie with uh, Steve McQueen and Ally McGraw. What the hell was that movie fucking called? That's the second time I've tried to recall that one. Uh, Getaway, yeah, Getaway. Uh, when they have Howard Sprague from Andy Griffith show tied up at like a, he's a cuck and they have him tied up to a, uh, they took him and Sally Struthers was his wife and, uh, Al Latieri gets them both. And then he takes them with him. And then when they are staying in a hotel, they, they tie, uh, Howard Sprague up and he fucks, uh, his wife in front of him just all the time. And there's nothing he can do about it. 
uh, that was pretty, that was weird. It, it just made you feel, it's like, God, that was just, I mean, ugh, how awful. But anyway, then you watch some of these porn and that's all they do. <laughs> cuck, cuck movies. I don't know about that cuck stuff. Well, my mic's getting all fucking weirded out here. Uh, Dr. Zom, not a cuck. I've had some people try and maybe do a <laughs> I can't share. Uh, anyway, uh, is that Chino? This one's called Chino or Valdez, the half breed. Valdez 2, Mezzo Sangue. I have tried to watch that one a couple times and uh, I never could get into it. And I don't remember anything about it other than uh, like Bronson and this little kid and he's raising this horse or something. I, I, I'd like to watch it now just to, you know, like a, be a Bronson completist, but I, that's just one that never worked for me and never got me interested enough when I tried to watch it that I, it, it's also one of those ones that was always in like a, uh, a dollar bin brand new, you know, I don't know if it's public domain or what, but then there was some other, bit like, uh, adieu l'ami or honor among thieves that used to be in the uh, dollar bin all the time. And, and, uh, that's a good movie. But the one thing about that is, uh, it's like Chino, uh, it would be in the dollar bin and it would be a really shitty fucking copy. Like somebody fucking, uh, took a VHS copy of it and, um, uh, uh, didn't even have the aspect ratio nothing like it was just really poor quality and then like uh that movie with him and Alain, uh Alain Delon um Honor Among Thieves uh when I saw the um uh it was on YouTube for for quite a while they had like a god I mean restored version of that that was letterboxed and everything and it looked great I love that movie anyway Stone Killer, that's another one that wasn't that great. Uh, Bronson is a cop, but uh, I never, it was never one that I was like one of my favorites. Uh, the Veloci Papers, I always liked that one. Uh, that's one of the first mafia movies that name names. And uh, if you're interested in the history of the mafia from Lucky Luciano, Albert Anastasia, uh, all those old guys like that, uh, you know. I, I recently wa- I've been wanting to get uh, the book, the Veloci Papers, and read it. And uh, my grandma, I like I'm living in the house now, but uh, they ha- I remember when I was a little kid, they had a copy of the Veloci Papers um, for the longest time. I don't know whatever happened to it, but I'll have to get it myself. But that was like a big thing back in the day because he was the first uh, one that uh, told. You know, he went against Omerta. Mechanic, Bronson and Jan Michael Vincent. That's always a good one to watch. And uh, if you have that one with uh, Statham and Ben Foster, can suck a dick. I don't like that movie. I don't wish they would. If I mean, if they were going to remake it, that's like almost having like Mark Wahlberg and Donnie Wahlberg or something in The Mechanic. You know, I don't know. These fuckers today. Shadow's Land is a great fucking movie. Bronson never says, I think he says like one fucking uh, word or one sentence in the whole movie, you know, back off me, lawman, at the very beginning, and that's it. But it's almost like a horror movie, and Bronson is the monster, and fucking uh, Jack Palance and uh, all the other guys, James Whitmore and 
Um, all the other ones um, in it are the asshole, you know, in horror movies where you have like the uh, everybody that's is a dick uh, or a, a fucking nympho or a fucking asshole. So you kind of root for the bad guy to kill them all. And uh, I wouldn't say Bronson's a like a monster in this or anything, but it's uh, the movie um, Stalking Moon with uh, Gregory Peck is more like that because the it's sort of like a shadows land kind of a story but um it's almost like the searchers in reverse but the the uh, native american guy that's coming for his kid is almost treated like a monster where you don't see him he's like a legend or something and you know he he uh, is killing off all these people to try and get to Gregory Peck and all this and that. And um, so you don't see him. So it's like, oh shit. Whereas Chato in this, you do see him and everything, but he's, it's almost like um, uh, John Rambo hunting down all these guys, you know. So that's a good movie. Uh, Red Sun, that's a really good one. I always enjoyed that. It's, it's a lot of fun and it's got the all star uh, world, like uh, traveled all star cast. It has, um, uh, Alan Delon, uh, Tashiro Mifune, uh, Capuchin. It has Ursula Andres. Uh, it's just, uh, that's when I want to watch again soon. Now that I have my Charles Bronson book out, I want to watch all these again. Uh, Someone Behind the Door or Quelqu'un uh, Derrière la Porte. I like this one. I always thought it was kind of like a Frankenstein's monster kind of a thing psychologically where Anthony Hop or uh, Anthony Perkins is a psychiatrist and finds a um, amnesiac, mentally disturbed man. And uh, immediately he it starts clicking in his brain that he can use this guy and manipulate him into doing something that he has been wanting to do. Um, but anyway, let's see what we got going on here again. Like I said, I'm just wanting to, uh, do some, get some stuff down here and, and put it out. Not that I don't care or anything. I'm not, I don't want to sound like that. I, like I said, I just want to get, oops, get in the habit. I'm sorry. Get in the habit of, um, not only recording, but uh, of posting this stuff and doing it on my own. And like I said, the last time, uh, and and I did want to you know thank Loaf because um, he gave me really good directions. I got to a point where uh, a file that I needed to use to post so that it would come up. Everything came up on the Silver and Gold webpage, but then when you clicked on to download it or to listen, it would give an error. And um, I couldn't figure it out. I was looking, and and that's what I was telling Loaf is, and I and I've had this through my through my work, where when you're doing something, and whether it's code or or a script or something that you have to type out, um, if you're doing it yourself and something's fucked up, you won't see it. I could go from the very beginning and and have what it's supposed to be right here to my left and looking at the screen and going, okay, that's a, okay, that's slash. Okay. That's semicolon. That's this, that's this, that's this. And I won't fucking see it. If I put it away 
for like a day and quit staring at it or whatever and come right back. I'd see it probably in two seconds. I called him up and he looked at it and he goes, okay, right here you have a space or something where, you know, you can't have a space. And that was what it is. That's just all it was. So again, I wanted to thank him for, you know, he was, Loaf was always the one that did all the technical stuff as far as posting the shows and everything. It always kind of made me nervous because I had never done it. Um, and it's not that difficult. Like I said, I just had never done it. And um, so anyway, he really uh, came through uh, and helped getting the uh, the episode out. I had that one little thing. So now I want to jump right back on it and do it again to to go through the steps and do it right. And hopefully it'll go up and I won't have to call him again. But again, that's one of those things where uh, practice makes perfect. Um, some of the stuff I do still have, uh, this is, you know, non-movie related, but well, maybe not. Um, I do ha- still have a subscription. Uh, the only one that I have for Marvel comics now is, uh, Dr. Afra, and, uh, they're start, they, they, uh, finished up the one storyline, um, and now they're starting over again. It's new artists, new writers and everything. And, um, I think I'm on like the third issue of that. Um, so far it's okay. It's not as good as what it, as what the, the first, uh, deal of it is. But then again, it might just be that I'm not in, as into reading, uh, comics as much now. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm reading a, a book about, um, uh, that, uh, Ratso Sloman. Uh, if you watched Howard Stern show or used to listen to it, he's an author and, uh, and, uh, he wrote a book about the, um, New York Rangers uh, the year before the book, they had beaten the New York Islanders in the playoffs and went to the Stanley Cup Finals, but they got beat. And um, th- so then the book takes up when they're the next season. And um, the one thing about that is I, I've been been wanting to read it, and I thought it's out of print. And I thought, oh, I can't, you know, I, it was one of those ones that you'd look on like uh, Amazon, and it, people would be selling it for like two hundred bucks or something or or higher. Well, then I found a used one that was only like twenty bucks. But uh, one thing that I was reading in that it was um, this one player, Ed Hospodar. He was always known for fighting, and he he went around the league from the Rangers to the Flyers and different teams. I think the Whalers maybe and some other teams. Um, but he was a rookie on the Rangers, and this is something that was disturbing that I just read and you know when uh, uh, just recently when I'm I'm reading the book, and uh, I remember back in the day they would always say that. Um, they would haze the rookies and you would see like with the flyers, uh, Pele Lindbergh was their, uh, goalie, really good goalie, hot goalie. And he was a rookie and, uh, they got him down in the, uh, locker room. And this was a big thing about hazing the rookies as they would shave their heads and, uh, cut all their hair off and like shave their balls and, <laughs> and their fucking chest, all the hair on their body. I think their eyebrows and everything. Well, I saw a picture of uh, Ron Duguay the other day, and he had played for the Rangers that's, that are in this book. And he was always like a real good-looking guy. Like when he would get the puck, the, the crowd would start whistling, like, you know, and all this stuff. And he would do, like, commercials for um, um, Sassoon jeans or whatever. I can't remember what kind of jeans and all this stuff. And would go out with these, you know, really hot girls and stuff. And one guy, Ron Greshner on the team, he ended up marrying uh, that supermodel, Carol Alt. But they got that Ed Hospodar, and he was like the 
toughest guy on the team, you know, fight and everything on, you know, getting fights with the other teams and everything. And, uh, I guess he was running his mouth. They said he was like one of these guys that was always talking and he was, I guess, cause he was a rookie. He was getting on people's nerves and there were like three or four of these guys and he comes in the locker room and they had it all planned out and they had like goalie mask on and they grab him, take him down and, uh, and, uh, hold him down on this like trainer's table. They taped his arms like out, like almost like a crucifix to a, a hockey stick. Then they said they shaved his head with these clippers. They shaved his balls and they put a shoestring from a pair of skates around the head of his cock. And they said they put it around there and put it so tight that it, until it started turning purple. And then they said it turned the color of a puck, which is like black. And then when it, when it started turning black, they fucking took the string off of, off of it. They said the one guy took, um, they shaved the hair off his chest and his genitals. And uh, then they said the one guy took a hockey stick, the butt end of a hockey stick. And I thought they said they put like some kind of cotton. So I'm thinking like gauze or something around the end of it and put like that uh, atomic balm or it's not like icy hot, except it was this orange stuff, but it would get real hot and put it all over the end of it and shoved it up his asshole. And the guy that wrote the book even said and uh, uh, forcefully shoved it up his up his ass and said something about how that, it you know, it was very painful. And I'm like reading this. and I'm like, that's rape. I mean, they raped this guy. And I guess now he did say that 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 this was like hazing the rookies was like an old time tradition. But at that time, there was like Phil Esposito and several of the well younger guys but older guys too that they said they just they were against it and they didn't do it anymore it was like a a tradition from the past and but that some of the guys you know you know they thought it was funny but i'm like that's that's fucking that's fucking rape you're raping this guy you know and um i remember hearing about like in wrestling um i can't remember if it was the steiner brothers getting uh jerry lawler's son brian christopher and they took him down in the locker room and and uh stripped him naked and and took this you know like the athletic tape and taped him all up and then stuck a fucking uh toothbrush or something up his ass and i guess kevin nash walked in and he and when he walked in he said out loud because i heard an interview he did and he said i just said out loud you real uh, uh, you realize what you're doing is a felony, and I'm leaving right now. And I'm like, you know, I never understood that uh, that kind of stuff. And I I remember there was a movie, and I can't remember if it was Mark Harmon or who or no, I think it was the guy that played. Um, it was uh, Gregory. He was married to the chick that played Bonnie on Chips, Gregory Harrison. And he was on uh, St. Not St. Elsewhere. That was uh, he was on uh, Trapper John M.D. with Pernell Roberts played Gonzo Gates. He was in a TV movie. And it, I think I don't know if it took place in like the what time of year, if it was like the 70s or 60s or when it was. But he was pledging a fraternity. And in the, in the end of the movie, um they made the pledges eat this raw liver 
and they were naked and uh, tied up and everything. And they made him they made him eat this raw liver, and the raw liver got stuck in his throat, and he choked to death. And then they had to call the cops. And when the cops showed up, here this guy is. They're all fucking tied up. They have like a, a flour and powder, like flour and stuff all over him, and uh, all, all different kind of weird stuff. And the cops are like, "What?" the fuck is going on here but i you know played some sports in in school and like i said i I was telling somebody the other day i remember one time where uh the the seniors that were you know a year older than me um they got one of the it was one of their guys in their class it was a senior and they took him in the shower and fucking just you know, like poured like about a, a gallon of fucking shampoo all over him or something like that. And he came out of the shower fucking laughing. And then I remember they said one time they put like uh, that atomic bomb stuff in somebody's jock strap or something. But I never saw that much of that, anything like that. And I, I just don't get it. I don't understand any of that shit. And it seems like almost every year when college starts up, we have, uh, well, we have, the uni- a couple universities here and then uh, a couple of uh, two or three smaller colleges, but anywhere you know, around here. And then when you get up into Pittsburgh, there's a lot even more. Um, but you every it seems like every year there's some kid, poor kid that fucking is uh, pledging a fraternity or something and uh, drinks so much that he fucking dies of alcohol poisoning or or some something where they you know he falls off of a fucking balcony or uh, they have him doing something stupid and they and they end up you know getting hurt or getting killed. Um, I don't know what brought that on. I was just about reading that book because I'm talking about stuff that I'm reading. Uh, I started reading uh, this. Um, my back is starting to fucking bug the shit out of me, so I'm going to quit here in about uh, five minutes because it's starting to bug me. Um, Sex Criminals uh, by Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. Uh, this is something that I found on um, online, I think maybe on Things from Another World. And I got on Amazon and found, uh, uh, I have uh, volume one and volume two. I'm still on uh, about halfway through, or no, about three quarters of the way through volume two. It's pretty good. It's it's a, kind of a different story where these people find out that they have almost like superpowers where they can make uh, sort of like time stop. They still move around like it's normal. It's almost like when they fuck or they masturbate, if you have this power, if you're fucking or you masturbate, this glow kind of a thing happens and everything stops. Uh, and But you still move around. So say you go into a bank and you go in the public restroom at a bank and either beat off or you have a partner and you're in there fucking it causes that to happen. So then you can walk out and everybody's like frozen in time and you can walk in and get all the money and all this stuff. Uh, but then these people, these, this young couple realize that they have this power and of course they like each other. So they're fucking all the time and everything. It's a really wacky, uh, concept, but then there's a sex police (laughs) who who also have this power but they're trying to keep criminals from using it that's it's entertaining it's kind of funny uh also uh the graphic novel that inspired the movie bloodshot the definitive edition i thought the bloodshot movie was pretty crappy i thought it could have been way better if it wouldn't have been vin diesel because it just ended up being like a vin diesel movie 
Uh, and I just didn't think it was done that well. There were, there were certain, it wasn't all bad. I liked the special effects and things like that. And, um, you know, the, the story, but like I said, I, I, I like the comic, so I like the story and everything. I just did not like Vin Diesel and I don't really like him in too much of anything. Um, the death, uh, or I'm sorry, death to the czar by Fabian Nuri and theory, uh, Robin. Um, this is by, I think the same guys that did, uh, the death of Stalin. Uh, it's pretty good. Um, it's a hardback edition that I got, uh, on Amazon. From the creators of Death to the Czar, Titan Comics presents Death of Stalin. Um, I have not um, read that graphic novel. I'd like to, but I loved the movie. I thought it was great. Uh, Moscow, September 17th, 1904. In front of the palace of the governor general of Moscow, the assembled masses protest against widespread poverty. Governor Sergei Alexandrovich is, uh, stood on the balcony when uh, he drops his handkerchief. Inadvert- uh, he accidentally drops his handkerchief, which is the signal for all the fucking soldiers that are protecting uh, the Kremlin or whatever to st- open fire. So by accident, he ends up fucking uh, dropping the goddamn handkerchief and they just open fire and kill a whole shitload of people. And uh, the governor fears for his life and the lives of his family as the repercussions of his deadly mistake rebound throughout the uh, whole of Russia. And um, then they have these um, uh, Bolshevik assassins that are uh, going, they're like a cabal. And there's one guy, one specific guy that's like this world, like famous assassin. And he's going to try and do in... uh, the Grand Duke Survey Alexandrovich, but it's all leading up to um, it's all leading up to the Russian Revolution. It's pretty good. Um, I'm assuming that there is more to it than just this one edition that I have, because um, it kind of I would think it would go start going into you know Lenin and all that and the and the whole revolution, but maybe not. But it was pretty good, and I like the art and everything. So anyway, like I said, sitting in this chair is kind of starting to affect my my back. I'm going to go in here and lay on the floor and do my stretches. And uh, But anyway, we got uh, two hours and 16 minutes. I'm going to try and watch maybe watch some movies tonight. I have some stuff planned uh, that I already have uh, um, in my on my uh, list on uh, Amazon Prime. And uh, also maybe find some, again, find some new stuff on uh, YouTube. They have a bunch of movies now on YouTube uh, that have commercials. Uh, to me, it almost seems, now I don't mind if it's like an hour and a half movie and they have a commercial every once in a while. Uh, gives you a chance to get something to eat or go to the bathroom or whatever. Um, but YouTube is getting really bad with commercials. You could watch a five-minute fucking clip or a two-minute or a three-minute clip, and they'll throw a commercial in there. And it's like, what the fuck? It's a cat fucking, you know, jumping on a piano or something, or I don't know. what you know, like I was watching these people uh, that have a pet possum, and the possum's eating a fucking uh, strawberry, and the goddamn clip's not even, you know, a minute and 30 seconds long, and and there's a fucking commercial. It's, you know, getting bad. But anyway, I'm going to sign off now, and thanks for listening, and I appreciate all the, uh, you know, feedback and support uh, from the last episode we put out. I'm going to try and get on this later and uh, 
try and post it. Hopefully, again, I will not have to call the pickle loaf. <laughs> but if I do, that's fine. We got caught up on a lot of things that are going on, and uh, he's doing great. Uh, so anyway, uh, well, as great as he can be. <laughs> He, he's it, it, when I say he's doing great, it's about like what I was doing that I told you about in the last episode. Uh, just you know, everything's normal, but uh, you know, sometimes normal is kind of <laughs> <laughs> all right, people. Thanks for listening, and uh, this is Dr. Zom saying, Dr. Zom. Oot. <laughs>